Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense. Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. It's Thursday, January 21st, 2021. Again, in the 21st century, I want to share some things today for those of you just tuning in. First off, I want to say good morning to you. You hopefully are listening on OmegaRadio.org, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's OmegaRadio.org. And also, we are broadcasting live on Blog Talk Radio, and that's a .com, and that's a forward slash X-Man777. And for those of you that are listening on Blog Talk Radio, you have the ability to press 1 on your dial pad at any time and to come onto this radio broadcast and share your thoughts, share your heart. And so even if you are listening on OmegaRadio.org, you could always dial the number 818-369-0326, and you could call in and listen on your phone, or if you have something to share, press 1 on your dial pad. I'll make sure I give you all that information again. But we're also broadcasting live on Facebook, and we are broadcasting live on YouTube. And heard a great conversation yesterday, um, and so I, I shouldn't have said that, but I'll talk to you about it later. Praise the Lord. Other platforms. There are other platforms that God, I believe, is providing uh, so that God will always be able to have his message broadcasted to the ends of the earth. So anybody really seeking the Lord is probably going to find some of these platforms. And I always marvel when I hear people have been 
listening to our broadcast and it's made a difference in their lives. And I think, my God, how did they find us? And usually it becomes because somebody told them or they are seeking the Lord. They came across us. I just received a phone call last week from a couple up in Missouri because I broadcast a one-hour radio program every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. on KNEO. It's 91.7 FM. And I received uh, an email from this couple saying we were just driving down the road and turned on 91.7 FM, and there you were, and we need to talk. And I just always marvel at things like that. It shows the sovereignty of God. It shows the, the, the ability of God to be an omnipresent God. And if somebody over in Arizona is seeking God, you know, and God knows what they really need to hear, I mean, he could bring them to anybody that is going to help them at that moment, right? So to everybody that's been drawn to this radio ministry and to the video ministry, and to our uh, church meeting ministry, <clears throat> our congregation, our ecclesia, it's been by the Spirit of God, you know, and we have to accept the fact that we are journeying together, and we're all working out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're all doing the best we can. We're not trying to create issues or problems for anybody, and yet, believe me, we all got issues and problems. I mean, we talked about it last night, how Jesus, how frustrated he got at times with his disciples, and they were with him. Can you imagine how frustrating we could be at times? So anyways, the Lord is good. I don't think he's frustrated anymore as he's seated at the right hand of God in the heavens. I think he's very patient with us. He's already laid his life down for us. Uh, he understands us from afar. So, you know, as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, take heart, take courage. You are loved our Lord loves you. God loves you. God loves the whole world, and he certainly would love the whole world to love him back. Amen. I heard someone say the other day that God started the world because he loved the world. You know, he, he loved the world that he created, and, and God sent his son. But someone said that he even formed Israel. He created Israel. He called Abraham. He initiated the whole Israel thing because he loved his creation, and he was going to work through Israel. But when it came to the United States of America, this Judeo-Christian nation, this nation wasn't formed because God called it. This nation was formed because there were people across the pond that loved God. And I thought that was a very profound statement. The people that were fleeing religious tyranny got on those ships and made their way to the new world here in the U.S., and God enabled them and helped them, but they were the ones seeking God. They wanted to worship God, and America is very unique in that way, that we were formed in such a manner of people that loved God at the very beginning. And we're talking maybe the 1600s, right? The 1600s when the first ones came to the nation. I'm not talking about the first people, the Indians. A lot of them were wild Indians, and maybe they had some understanding of the Spirit of God, but the people that came gave them wisdom about Jesus Christ, which is awesome when you think about it. You know, the 2,000 years of the church age have been spectacular. Do you realize that in the history of the church age, not only at the very beginning, as we talked about yesterday, with the Nero persecution against the church and the lying against them and all this different activity, but then you get to the 300s, 
And then you had the Roman persecution where Christians were thrown into the lion's den to the Colosseum. Uh, they were made sport of. And I mean, I've read some of the torturous things and the barbaric things that happened to the believers, men, women, and children. And it's pretty brutal. But then not only that, as you, as you go through different periods of the church age and the church was vibrant and persecution always caused it to thrive to some degree, but then we got into the dark ages and then we got into the inquisitions and then we got into the crusades or the crusades first and then the inquisitions. Do you realize the crusades were Christians that put on battle gear and went and rode to Jerusalem and fought the Muslims and, and tried to hold the city, and there was war, went back and forth. And do you realize that the church went through the inquisition of the apostate Roman Catholic Church, where the priests and the popes of that age, of that particular moment, were actually uh, inquiring of the Christians who were wanting to go a step further than just allowing the pope and the, uh, the hierarchy of the church to have their way and to tell them what they want. And it became so abusive. I mean, you go back to the, the, that time of the Inquisition, and they were selling indulgences to people. You know, you could purchase your, 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 your son or your spouse or your loved one out of heaven for some money, and you all these indulgences, it became so corrupt and so apostate, but there was no Bible. So you had these men that took it to task to get the word of God out, and that whole history is amazing. They were known as the Protestants. We call them the Protestants. But the Protestant church were the Protestants against the Catholic hierarchy that had monopolized the religion of the day. But these men had a revelation of the grace of God. They found scripture in the Bible that, yes, men were using the Bible to control the masses and have them serve them because their fear of God. Well, the truth began to shine. And yet with that revelation came persecution. And so what a history of the church age. And not only that, not only the Nero persecution, not only the 300s, and not only the Dark Ages and the Crusades, and not only the Inquisition and the Reformation with Martin Luther that brought about tremendous amount of, you know, upheaval, but God's church has always thrived with the next move of God in the eternal purpose of Jesus Christ. And I am convinced today that God is about to shift everything like in all those other, ad, uh, what we call those dispensations. I believe that we are now crossing into a dispensation of God that is connected to the eternal purpose of God. And what we're looking about horizontally here is just a transformation of the landscape but the church that's always gone through difficult times is going to go through these times too for the glory of God. And by the time we come out of this dispensation, it's all going to be different again. But boy, oh boy, it's going to be different to the degree it will never be the same again. Wow. Think about it. You and I are stepping into a moment of transition we are moving into another dispensation. I like what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. If you'll turn there with me to Ephesians chapter 1, I love this because it tells us about where we are. And I always like knowing where I am. You know, I do a lot of driving, and there's one thing I like to know. I like to know where I am. <laughs> so in Ephesians chapter 1, listen to this. It says 
in Ephesians chapter 1, and I'll just read out of verse 7. I'll start there in verse 7, and we read these words. It talks about, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself, okay, we have purpose here, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So the Bible tells us that there is something called the dispensation of the fullness of times. That means that all the dispensational moves of God throughout the history of mankind, particularly within the church age, will come to an eventual end of the dispensation of the fullness of times. In other words, that is, in the Greek, the kairos moment, or the set time, the appointed time, the opportune time, the rich time. What is that? Well, it's the time in the dispensation of the fullness of times that God is going to gather together everything in Christ that belongs to Christ. To me, that is the resurrection of the dead, the people being changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye. We get caught up to meet the Lord in the heavens at his coming, and we are with the saints of God of old, and we are with the Lord as God is pouring his wrath out upon the nations of the earth. To me, the dispensation of the fullness of times. This moment that Paul was talking about was our gathering together unto the Lord. That time is coming. And I believe that God has a mystery. And here's part of the mystery. Mamma mia, the mystery today. Okay, this is today, right? Check this out. And let's just kind of view it. Let's kind of turn it around like a Rubik's Cube and say, is there any, is there any reality to this? What is today? Well, today, this moment we're in, we're talking live right now. Today is the 21st day of the 21st year, 2021, in the 21st century. What does that mean? 21st century is what they say we live in. The, tw- the year 2021 and the 21st day, okay? I, I was writing and preparing for tomorrow, which is today, last night, <laughs> and I thought, how, how unusual is that? We had a great meeting last night. We got home, and I'm doing, getting pre- prepared, and it hit me, 21st century, 21st year, and tomorrow is the 21st. That's triple sevens across the board. So I went to bed with that thinking, wow, that's really strange. Didn't think about it. Woke up this morning. I was looking at my notes and I thought, gee, I wonder what page 777 gets. And it's about Hezekiah doing a great job. So I said, well, what about 1777? And I thought about, um, okay, it brings you to John the Baptist, prepare the way of the Lord. And then I went to 2777 in my Bible. It's a dictionary. It has all the S words in there like uh, suffering, and it talks about this, that, and the other thing. 
So I thought, well, that's not it. And then it hits me in my brain. There's an actual scripture that has the number 777. Now, there may be more than one, but I want to read it. 777 It's where we are today because why? 21 is triple seven. Three times seven is 21. So we're in the 21st century. That's a triple seven. We're in the 21st year of the year 2000, triple seven. We're on the 21st day of the first month, triple seven. We have triple sevens across the board. I think that's probably a really good thing. And I do remember going to bed last night saying, jackpot. Tomorrow is going to be a jackpot. So what does it actually say? Let me take you on a little journey through the word of God. And I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Remember what God does? He reveals the end from the beginning. So let's go on a little journey. Read a little scripture here. Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. And I like to just start at the beginning. That's all it is. So here's what we read in Genesis chapter 5. Let me get my Strong's notes. I love to do that. All right. So in Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female, hallelujah, created he them. (laughs) And called their name, the male and the female, he called their name Adam. In the day when they were created. So Adam is not a guy's name. Adam is the human race. Adam is male, female. He called their name. So Adam is humanity. Okay. And then it says in verse three, and Adam lived 130 years and he begot a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Now, of course, this is right after Cain murdered Abel, because when Adam or when man had sinned and he was thrust out of the garden, Cain murdered Abel, and then God gave them a son, Seth, to replace Abel, right? That's who he is. And then it says in verse 4, but notice he's made after his image. So this is after the image of Adam. That's important because maybe there are other forms of creatures out there, or creations, but they, the Bible goes out of the way to say that Adam and Mrs. Adam produced a man-child after their image, okay? So this is, they didn't produce an elephant, they produced a man, the image of man, Adam. So then it says in verse 4, and the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years and he begot sons and daughters. So there's one son mentioned in the lineage, but then there are sons and daughters. After 800 years, you would think you would have a pretty large family. No, all right? So there's this large family. Now, then it says in verse five, and all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Wow, what a long life, 930 years. What was different about that part of God's creation of man and where we are today where people die at 80, 90, 100? 
okay? We, all, we know about premature death, but people, you know, to live 100 today is a big deal. What's the difference of the body? What, you know, isn't that something to think about? How do you live 930 years? Anyways, he did. Now it says in verse 6, And Seth, the son of Adam, lived 105 years and begot Enos. All right, so now Enos is mentioned in this particular bloodline, this genealogy of Adam. And it says that Seth lived after he begot Enos 807 years and begot sons and daughters. So there's a lot more sons and daughters. The human race is populating. It's growing. It's fruitful and multiply. That's what God downloaded in mankind from the beginning of time. So he's now populating the earth. But, but now Seth gives birth to Enos. And then it says in verse 8, all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. All right, so now we have from 930 years to 912 years, Seth dies, but it says in verse 9, And Enos, the son of Seth, lived 90 years and begot Canaan. And Enos lived after he begot Canaan 815 years, and he begot sons and daughters. More growing population, and then Enos, it says in verse 11, all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. These guys are living to be 900 years old. That's amazing. Verse 12. Now, Canaan, who is the son of Enos, lived 70 years and begot Mahalalil. And Canaan lived after he begot Mahalalil. 840 years and begot sons and daughters and all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. You notice all these guys in the beginning are living to be 930, 910, 912. They're all in the 900 realm. They're just falling short of a millennial day, a thousand years. Remember the Bible says, and this is just a little bunny trail. Remember the Bible says that a 1000 year millennial reign is coming and that in the resurrection, before the millennial reign, and in the being caught up to meet the Lord in the air, we're changed in a moment, we get glorified bodies. How many of you know that we're going to be alive and remaining? We're going to be ruling and reigning for those thousand years, something that these guys fell short of because of sin. But we will be living for a thousand years in the bodies that God is creating. These guys already lived a 900 and some odd years, right? So anyways, it says in verse 15, um, Mahalilel lived 65 years, and he begot Jared. Okay. Well, I missed 13. Anyways, he lived a long time, 910 years, 15. And Mahalilel lived 65 years and begot Jared. And Mahalilel lived after he begot Jared 830 years and begot sons and daughters. Now, I'm going to give you a, a prophetic picture here in a moment. Stay with me in the boring detail, but let's make it as exciting as we can. So he lives to be, again, 830 years, and then he begot sons and daughters. All the days of Mahalalil were 895 years, and he died. It appears there's a little diminishing of time there, 895 years. He probably felt cheated. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So here we go. Verse 18, and Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. Whoa. And Jared lived after he begot Enoch 800 years and begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 962 years. Kaboom. 
It looked like it was just going down. And now he's the longest living guy at this point. And he lives 962 years and he died. Now he brought forth Enoch. So let's read about Enoch. The Bible says a lot about Enoch. In verse 21, and Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years and begot sons and daughters. So even Enoch had sons and daughters. They all had sons and daughters, offspring, progeny, right? And all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Ah, now there is a mystery. I'd love for us to talk about it, but I'll get into so many bunny trails because I want you to know every one of the names of these sons that are in this particular genealogy not the sons and daughters in that population, these specific names, there is a prophetic pattern in their names. Now, we know that Enoch is a super prophetic reality because it speaks about a generation that the Lord is going to take. And that is going to be in the dispensation of the fullness of times. Let's put things in their proper perspective. But before we get there, let's keep on going. There's a mystery here about what we're talking about so far this morning. It says Methuselah. Oh, here comes Methuselah. Here it is. Verse 25. Methuselah, the son of Enoch, lived 187 years and begot Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he begot Lamech 782 years and begot sons and daughters and all the days of Methuselah, here's the oldest living recorded man on the, his, on the face of the planet, all the days of Methuselah were 969 years. Jared, I think, was 962. He's 969 years, and he died, 31 years short of a millennium, right, a millennial day. Now, verse 28, and Lamech lived... 182 years and begot a son. Why is this the first time it says he begot a son? It's interesting. So Lamech, the son of Methuselah, lives 182 years and begot a son, and he called his name Noah. Now watch. Saying, this same Noah shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. Noah actually is going to be a comfort to the godly seed. Now watch this. And Lamech lived after he begot Noah 595 years and begot sons and daughters and all the days of Lamech were 770 and seven years, and he died. All right, so if you're just joining us, what we are talking about today, we're living in the 21st century, 21, three times seven, that's three sevens. Then we're talking about the 21st year of the year 2000 to 2021, that's triple seven. 
Today is the 21st day, triple seven. I don't know if it means anything, but I was thinking it was rather strange that I thought about that last night. We have three time frames that we're in, a century, a year, and a day, okay? And they're all triple sevens. So coming on, I just thought, well, I do remember something. And it is this, that Lamech, 777 years, he dies. It finalizes his generation, and it brings us to the grand new landscape of Noah was 500 years old. That's the number of grace, 500. He's 500 years old, and Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. All right. Wow. I don't know what it means exactly. All I know is that Lamech was 777, and 777 is like triple completion. It's done. So what does God do with Noah? He now raises up Noah in his generation, And he says to Noah, build an ark. The end of the world is coming, as you know it. I wonder if there's a prophetic picture here, a prophetic pattern here. Well, first of all, let's take a look, because I believe there's a pattern here. Let's go all the way back to the beginning and look at some of the names of the people that were born. And we know Adam means red, right? It's from the earth, and I believe that's where humankind gets the, the color. But we could even look at that, the word Adam, what it means. And I'll just open up the screen here for just a moment. Adam, uh, the name of the first man, and his definition here is red, okay? The first man, he's red. And a lot of people believe that comes from the earth, the color of the clay, the color of the dirt. Out of the earth, God made man. Now, The son that they produced, if we keep looking at the pattern here, the son that they brought forth was Seth. Now, the word Seth means um, put, i.e., substituted. He was the substitution for Abel, who was murdered, okay? And it also, you get into the deeper root of Seth, and that word means to appoint. He's an appointed one. It also means to mark, uh, to uh, put a mark on. So he was marked as the first son of Adam um, in, a, in a particular lineage. Okay. He's a set one. And then we know that Seth gave birth. This will all make sense in a second here, Lord willing. Yeah, he gave birth to Seth, gave birth to Enos. So the marked one, a marked generation, is now giving birth to Enos, or Enosh, and Enosh means that he is in the, he's definitely a son, it means man, mortal, mankind, and it gets, you know, these simple little tiny, uh, in the flower of their age, uh, it talks about, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to say there, but Basically, it's talking about a representative of the whole human race. And then we move on from Enosh, and we're going to get to Mahalilel. Is that correct? Is it Mahalilel? You get Enosh uh, and all the days of Seth. Well, we were just in Seth. He brought forth Enosh, Enosh. And now Enosh is giving birth to who? And he begot Mahalilel. Now, Mahalilel, something shifts in the economy of God. His name actually means praise of God. 
praise of God, the name of an antediluvian patriarch of an Israelite and of an Israelite. So he is this one here, and he's just the praise of God. And this is where men began to call upon the name of the Lord again. I believe uh, Mahalilil is a worshiper. So it's almost as though through his generation, worship came back into the earth, as was intended from the very beginning. And then we go through Mahalalil, where did you go? And then Mahalalil, Seth, 95. And Mahalalil gives birth to Canaan. And Canaan, his name means fixed. It also comes from a deeper Greek word to nest. Like nests in Noah's ark. Interesting. What an interesting definition, right? Um, it also means possession. Okay, Canaan, possession. And so we have that name now. And then we get to Canaan's son. Uh, where are you? Canaan were 910 years, and Mahalalel lived. Mahalalel gave up to Babada. Jared. So now we get to Jared. And Jared means descent, a descent, which is kind of a, I guess you would say that it's kind of a decline, a descent. Uh, let's look at the deeper Greek word here, and it's yarod, and it actually means to go downwards. So something began to happen in Jared's generation where things began to descend, or there's a descent, a going downward in that generation. And then... We get to Jared giving birth to Enoch. Now, Enoch, there's a very interesting definition here. Enoch, after the descent of Jared, literally means dedicated, but there's a lot more to this man than dedicated. It also gets into the definition of one initiated, okay? But then you get into the deeper Greek word, or the, uh, the Hebrew root, kanak, okay? And it means to train, dedicate, inaugurate. We just had an inauguration yesterday. To train up, properly to narrow, figuratively to initiate or discipline. So Enoch represents discipline, trained up, and what exactly comes to mind when you hear about discipline and training up. Who do we normally train up? Who do we normally discipline? Our children, right? So here is a man that is being straightened. He's being uh, definitely dedicated to the purposes of God. He's disciplined. He's trained up. He's narrowed. And this is representing sonship. This has been, you know, you, you discipline and train up a child in the way it should go to produce sonship. And that's why he was taken with God, right? So Enoch, Kanak, the dedicated one, the trained up one, the disciplined one, the one representing sonship, okay? And I'm going to show you why that's important here in just a moment. Got to go through the names just a little bit more. So let's go to Enoch. And I, I just, I'll read something to you out of the scriptures in, was it Second Peter? Where are you, Enoch? No, it's in Jude. All right, so Jude says this about Enoch, okay? So Jude, and I'll just pick it up 
over here in verse uh, 8. And it says, Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, speak evil of dignities, yet Michael... Let's go to 14. Sorry, I was in the wrong pass. I thought that didn't make sense. So verse 14, Jude 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam. Today's a triple seven day. 21st century, 21st year of the year 2000, and the 21st day of January. We have three triple sevens right here today. Jackpot, right? Well, here it is. Enoch, the seventh. Here's another seventh. He's the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed. All right. Now, wait a second. What was Enoch prophesying? Yep. Now, Jude's telling what he did. But if you go back to the days of Enoch, the generation before him was Jared, and it meant descent. So something in the lineage, in the godly lineage, was beginning to descend. It was going down. So God brings Enoch, and what does Enoch do? He prophesies. What's he prophesying? He's prophesying of the descent of mankind. The generation when man began to dive into depravity, when man began to dive into the earth. Remember all those sons and daughters? There was a huge population on the earth, but something began to happen. There was some real demonic stuff going on. So now Enoch comes, he prophesies, and what he's warning them about is the days of Noah. He's prophesying and, 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 and he's declaring what is going to happen to the world if they don't repent and turn back to God. Enoch the seventh from Adam. How many of you know that we are now in the beginning of the seventh millennium since Adam fell out of the garden? You can mark it from Adam to Abraham were 2,000 years in recorded history. From Abraham to Jesus Christ were another 2,000 years of recorded history. And from Jesus Christ to where we are right now, another 2,000 years meaning 6,000 years have transpired. One day with the Lord is as 1,000 years. 1,000 years is as one day. That means six days have come and gone. We are now beginning the seventh day. Okay, and that's a day of rest. Remember the Sabbath of God and the seventh millennium. Oh, a millennial day, a 1,000-year day. Are you kidding? Is there a prophetic pattern? Well, let's keep looking. All I know is that Jesus said at the end of time, in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, it would be like the days of Noah. And now we know, as we're marching forward in our prophetic picture here, that Enoch was assigned as a prophetic generation to declare the judgment on the world. He was the seventh from Adam. We are the seventh from Adam. We are a prophetic generation. There are more prophetic voices in the world today, most likely, than at any other time. 
many of them being false voices. We get that. We know a lot of false prophets will come. But we're talking about the true prophetic voice, the Enochian generation that would come to the world at a time where it's like the days of Noah, where technology and perversion and depravity and all these evil things are transpiring in the world, and that there would be a voice to the nations of the earth declaring judgment is coming. Noah, build your ark. And when Noah built his ark, it was a sign that literally condemned the world. Oh, that's what it says in Hebrews. And there's another mystery if you want to follow it out in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. Three times it talks about Enoch being translated. It says Enoch was translated. And then it says a second time. Well, let me just read it to you. It says it this way. In uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it says this. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. We read about that. He was not found because God had translated him. Second time in verse 5. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. All right, three times in one verse, translated, translated, and translation. The mystery there, the first two times that the word translated is used, it means going from one place to another. He was taken from earth into heaven. Translated. The third time the word translation comes up in verse 5, it has a different Hebrew meaning. And that what it means, the disestablishment of law, to disestablish a law. And you have to ask yourself, what law did Enoch disestablish? He disestablished the law of sin and death. That was the law of, of mankind, sin and death, sin and death. But Enoch was the first not to die. He represents an Enochian generation, a seventh from Adam. We are the seventh millennium from Adam. We will be a people who are alive and remaining at the coming of the Lord. Behold, I show you a mystery, said Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise, and we shall be changed. What is that? There is going to be a people that are not going to die, just like Enoch, the seventh from Adam, did not die. And we are that Enochian generation. you got to get it. We are a generation, the final generation, in the eternal purpose of God for the church age. Mamma mia, there's a mystery here. There's something to look at, believe me. We're going to disestablish the law of sin and death. And if you read in Romans chapter 7, or excuse me, Romans chapter 8, let me just put it out there so you know that that is a biblical concept, not a man-made concept. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. We have been made free from the law of sin and death when we walk in the law of the Spirit. You could walk in the law of Moses all you want to. You're going to die. But when the people come to the place of walking in the law of the Spirit, you are free from the law of sin and death. We will be a people in the final generation on planet Earth with everything going on in the world. I hear a triple seven 
Come on, Lamech 777. He finalized an age for the new day to begin with Noah building his ark, going through the flood, coming out on the other side. We're about to go through a three and a half year great tribulation. Build your ark because the dispensation of the fullness of times is at the door. And when we come through on the other side, Mamma Mia, we're going to be going into the heavens. The dead will rise. We'll be caught up to meet the Lord. God will pour out his wrath upon this earth. And then Revelation 19, we're coming back with the Lord with his armies. And we're going to, he's going to judge and make war. And he's going to take the beast and the false prophet and the dragon, the devil, and cast him into the lake of fire. The devil's going into a pit for uh, a thousand years. But Christ is going to rule and reign. We're going to rule and reign with him. Revelation 19 is the only time that Jesus Christ makes landfall. And is coming in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, he, we meet him in the air. In 1 Thessalonians 4, we meet him in the air. In 1 Corinthians 15, we meet him in the air. In Revelation 1-7, he's in the air. It's always in the air. The only time he comes back, makes landfall to set up his millennial kingdom is Revelation 19. We will have been caught up to meet the Lord. We will have been changed into our glorified bodies. We are being prepared in the heavens while God's wrath is being poured out on the earth. Then we will return. We will govern five cities and ten cities. We will rule and reign with a rod of iron. We will be over the nations in glorified bodies that can live a thousand years, which should not be surprising. They were living to 969 years. Wow. So let's keep going, man, because we've got the triple sevens here today. 21st century, 77721. 21st year of the year 2000, 777. The 21st day today, 777, three triple sevens, jackpot. Come on. Let's go a little bit further, though, because I want to get back now to Mahaliel gives birth to Enoch. Now, Enoch gives birth to his son, and Enoch begets Methuselah. Now, Methuselah, the oldest living man, he is the man of the dart. Okay, wait a second. You ready? Stay. Come on, let's get this figured out. Enoch is the trained up one, the disciplined one, representing a generation of sons and daughters, the fully mature, who have been born again into the image and likeness of the firstborn son, Jesus Christ. For he's bringing what? Many sons to glory. And when you talk about Enoch's generation, he walked with God. That's what Jesus did. He walked with God. Enoch walked with God in a mature sonship mentality and reality. Now, this final generation, you and I, the people of God all over the earth, there is going to be a people that emerge that are going to be walking with God like Jesus, like Enoch, sons of God. Because God is bringing us from the technon, the children, to the huios, the mature sons of God. And as we mature, meaning we become more like him in nature because we have put off the old man, put on the new man. We're born again, we're new creations, and we're walking in the spirit, in the love, the joy, the peace, which are the divine attributes of God himself. It's going to happen. The Bible says it will. But now Enoch gives birth to Methuselah. So the Enochian generation gives birth to the man of a dart. you got to love that. It means Methuselah, again, the man of the dart. And what it is, 
in, in the deepest part, if I go down here and study these out, and I'll do it, it means missile of attack. Methuselah, what are the sonship company, what are we giving birth to? We're giving birth to the Methuselah generation. What is the Methuselah generation? It is the missile of attack. What does that mean? And that means that this sonship generation is going to give birth to a Methuselah generation that's going to pierce through the veil into a 1,000-year millennial reign. In other words, no man on earth, not even Methuselah, but he was the oldest living one, 969 years. No man lived to be 1,000 years. But the Enochian generation in the final days will give birth to a Methuselah generation that will be a missile of attack and will pierce the veil of limitation, and we will enter in to the generation of the 1,000-year millennial reign, living in bodies prepared to go all the way. There's a generation being birthed by the sons of God that is going to live for 1,000 years. What a picture right there in the book of Genesis. And now, who did Methuselah give birth to? Well, Methuselah, he gives birth to... Who does he give birth to? Lamech. And here's the guy. Here's the guy, Lamech. Lamech means powerful. Lamech's name is powerful. Praise God. And so what is that millennial reign going to be? A powerful generation that have pierced the veil and are now setting up the kingdom of God with the power of God, the dunamis of God. Hallelujah. It's powerful. Lamech, powerful. And how long does Lamech live? Oh, my gosh. 777 years. All the days of Lamech were 777. Wow. That's amazing to me. In verse 31, all the days of Lamech were 777. But who did Lamech give birth to? Now, we're living. I believe that God's telling us this is the 777 moment. He's giving birth to Noah, who is the guy that's going to do what? He's going to comfort the people. And he's told to build an ark. And what does the name Noah, what what does Noah's name mean in the Hebrew? Rest. Rest. What did God do on the seventh day? He rested. Does there in Hebrews chapter 4 remain a rest for the people of God? You bet. The world is in turmoil right now. It's being tossed to and fro right now. Wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, plague, division, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. The world is in turmoil. A beast is going to come out. Three and a half years, great tribulation. But God has brought us to the moment of Noah. Enter into your ark. Because there's judgment going to hit this earth. A lot of people are going to suffer. All those sons and daughters that they were growing up, remember they had apostatized. There was a huge population on the earth. Because they, we just marked out the, the, each individual in the divine lineage, in the godly lineage. But they were giving sons and daughters for hundreds of years. There were a lot of people born in the earth. The godly lineage is going into the ark. The godly who have repented and confessed, the ungodly, whether they call themselves Christians or not, 
are going in to the greatest tribulation ever at the face of the earth. Number one, this means that there will be provision from God among the godly, the godly who love the Lord. Oh, I know you've had struggles. I know you've had trials and temptations. I know that you have really battled through, but you've done it. You've taken up your cross. You followed the Lord. You denied yourself. You've done what was right. Oh, God bless you. The rewards of your faithfulness and your love for God are going to be extravagant, exponentially amazing to anything you've ever dreamed. So Noah means rest. He's going to bring rest. Jesus said in the days of the coming of the Son of Man will be like the days of Noah. So if I put this all together now, we're living in the dispensation of the fullness of times. Paul wrote about it in Ephesians 1.10. We're an Enochian generation. We're the seventh from Adam, even as Enoch was. He did not taste death. There will be a people that do not taste death. The last enemy to be overcome is death. Enoch represents a, a generation of sons who have been trained up, dedicated, narrowed. They live for the Lord. They walk with God, which God always walks in a different direction than the world or the church organizational structure of things. It's a very intimate, very powerful reality. A Methuselah generation is going to be birthed to pierce the veil, just like the rocket ships pierce gravity. You know, you get so far and gravity would just crush you. But that end time generation will be like the Methuselah, the man of a dart, the missile of attack. They will attack the consternation, the opposition, the gravitational pull, the demonic things, but they will pierce through. And then we'll come into the millennium of rest, a Sabbath day, rest for a thousand year day. And, and I'm just thinking today, seven, seven, sevens across the board. Lamech was 777. In other words, when he gave birth to Noah, it completed everything. It was now complete. Ladies and gentlemen, do you have any confidence, any faith of the potential possibility that we have come today to the 777, something is now finished. A new day dawns. The landscape is going to change. I would probably expect that the moment that we're in right now, we are going to hear some of the greatest preaching we have ever heard in our lives for a brief moment. Because we don't live to be 900 years, do we? We don't live that long. We live 70, 80, 90 years. So the time frame, Noah had 100 years to preach. Well, you got to narrow that down a little bit. And there's been some pretty decent preaching in the last, you know, 40 years, 20 years. But I think the final cry, because the ark is ready to be entered into. The time that God is going to call his people out of Babylon the time for God's people to enter into the ark and God will shut the door is upon us. Those who do not make it into the ark will go through the great tribulation without that blessing, whoever they are. I don't know about you, but I want to enter into the ark of my salvation, which is a life hid in Christ. Ultimately, I want to enter into God as the source of all my existence 
But I also have obeyed the Lord and heard him say, go to Ark in Saw and prepare an ark for my people, a physical place with food and water, et cetera, et cetera. We've done the best we could. Something is about this day, don't you think? Now, you may say to me, hey, did you eat Fruit Loops this morning? And I'd say, no, I didn't have any Fruit Loops. I've studied these things out for years. I can go into this. It, it, there's, there's no end to this reality of the time we're living in prophetically. And we're about to enter into the rest of God, folks. We're about to enter into a phase of the world is going to be judged harshly. The Antichrist is going to come. He's going to pour out every filthy thing that Satan represents. Persecution will come to people that are caught in the persecution. Tribulation is going to hit pressure like people they've never dreamed would ever hit. But there will be a preserved people, just like Noah rode out the storm. He rode out the storm. You and I are going to ride out the great tribulation because we've obeyed the Lord. Now, having said that, okay, this is just all kind of just happening around us. Um, what I'd like to do is kind of see if anybody's out there for hallelujah. Let's see what's going on in the chat room. And by the way, if you'd like to call into the broadcast, this would be a great time to do that. Uh, uh-oh, brother Don's calling in. Now this should be interesting. He's got some incredible information to balance probably everything we just said. So let me go ahead and take this call coming in from area code 219. Good morning, Brother Don. God bless you, sir. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning, sir. Fine day today, isn't it? I think so. <laughs> it's a triple seven jackpot day, Don. It's all of that and more. Talk to us. Let me tell you what I'm thinking here, okay? Uh, just just, uh, just to uh, show you why I'm thinking this, if you don't mind, just bear with me. Take your time. Go ahead. Okay. Now, you know my background. I was on the DEA task force for three years, and then I was on the FBI task force for two years working out of Gary. We did undercover operations all the time. This, in every way, smells like a big undercover operation. It looks to me, and I can smell it, it looks like a big sting. And I was watching the, the true sources of information, which would be these generals, and I was trying to check out whether did these interviews really occur. These, these people are all real, just like Lynn Wood is, which was, uh, which was uh, President Trump's lawyer, very spiritual man. And I especially wanted to see what he's saying today. And he went dark. They all went dark because the next phase of the operation is in effect. And when that happens, nobody gets in the loop unless they're absolutely needed. Nobody gets in the, in, the, in the information. It's just what is needed. And I watched President Trump drop little crumbs that if, if you were listening close, like he said when he left, well, we'll, we'll probably be back again in some, in some other form. Damn. 
That's all I need to hear right there. This guy's coming back. And it really can't, I mean, the only other alternative is this was an operation against us using him. I'm not willing to believe that yet because uh, he is known as a patriot. It's possible they got him to do something like that, but I'm not seeing that. I, I don't feel like that. I, I detect other little things that I recognize as far as an operation, a military operation. So hang on. Just wait now. Uh, wait a few days and see what all they can pull into their net. And as I, I remember on DEA, uh, when I was on DEA, we would buy ounces of cocaine off of a guy. We'd buy one. Just met him, and, you know, we'd let it walk. we let the money walk. we photographed the money in case it turned up in his house or something. But we let it walk, and he goes, wow, I didn't get busted. And then we set up another one. We have two buys. You know, ounce of cocaine at that time cost uh, 1800 back in the 90s. And then we'd order up big, four or five ounces, and as soon as he showed up, bam, we'd hit him. We'd get all that. And then we had three, two small buys and then a major buy. And that's the way we would roll it. We, right when the guy was comfortable with us and he thought he had it all figured out, then we, then we set him up big time. That's what looks like is happening here. I was talking to Brother Mike last night, and I said, you know what this is like? I said, this is like a guy that walks into a bank with no mask on, robs the bank with the police watching him, comes out, he's got all the evidence, he's got the money, he's got the gun, and he walks right through the police, and the police are just looking at him, and he goes home. That's what this is like. And he thinks he got away with it. Well, and, and Mike, he goes, Don, I just had that same exact vision today, a guy robbing a bank coming out. He said, man, that's confirmation. So spiritually... You know, you can see it. You can. We we had the same vision of the same situation. This looks to me like it was a big operation. Uh, and the, if you look at the evidence, the evidence is overwhelming. I mean, confirmed evidence. So, with all that in mind, I only have one question to ask. I want you to think about this very deeply. Obama brought the Dominion machines into the into the mix. They know that it was Obama, at least, from Argentina. And he used them to get himself reelected. And they know he used it to steal a vote down in uh, Florida. Okay? Who was president after Obama? Well, it was President Trump. Well, how did he get into office? If Hillary knew that the Dominion machines would also get her in office. She was so confident. Remember that? They were shocked they didn't get it because they knew what was going to put them into office. And just like Biden even said before he got in, I don't need your vote to get in office because he knew the Dominion machines would be working. But evidently, Hillary thought they were set for her, but she got switched out. They were set for President Trump. 
to get him in. And this goes along with uh, what I heard about uh, President Trump getting approached by 40 generals uh, right after Obama, Obama's first term. And they said, look, Obama's selling out the country. He's got the Muslim Brotherhood in the White House. And you can imagine what they found out. And they were saying, we got the NSA with us. And uh, they asked President Trump if he would do an operation like this his first four years and gather evidence, evidence against these guys and set it up where we can sting them when they use the Dominion machines to get you out of office with Biden. And it's my understanding he agreed to that. And I said, NSA. The National Security Agency is the one who switched out the machines, that uh, overrode the Dominion machines, the phony vote, and stuck Donald Trump in. They, they're listening to everything. There's not much they can't do electronically. So the National Security Agency has always been with Donald Trump. FEMA, the head of FEMA, is an ex-combat Marine. Now, Marines are very loyal to Donald Trump. So you got all these things in the mix, and you're looking at it, and you're going, this can't have happened the way it did for Donald Trump to have these guys and walk away. Unbelievable committed that he did. I think that this is just a, an operation. Uh, he's not. In, he's not in control, really. The U.S. military is, and the U.S. military is going to get all these people. You got forty thousand, well, thirty thousand troops in Washington D.C. right now, and I noticed they're staging photographs about them being there. They're showing. You know, 20 guys sleeping on granite floors and, you know, people bringing them pizza boxes. Where's the other uh, 25,000? Well, they're in tents somewhere around there. I believe they're there. But they're only showing you what they want you to see. And I noticed these guys that are laying on the granite floor, and they're, they're saying, yeah, they're sleeping on, in the, on granite in, in the Capitol. And I'm thinking, no. Because where's that little two-inch... Uh, piece of foam that they always issue them to sleep on. None of them had that. I thought, these guys didn't sleep on that night, ground floor night. They're staging and showing you only photographs they want you to see. And I think that's all this is. This is they're only showing you what they want you to see from the smallest detail. Now, I want to see if those troops leave Washington. If they don't, why not? They didn't even need them for the inauguration, and they knew that. You know, it wasn't going to be a big attack by the Patriots and all that. That's not true. So who are they there for? And I've heard other things about the fencing pointing inwards towards to keep people in and not keep people out. I don't know about that. But if those guys, if they don't pull these guys out, then there's a definite reason why they're not. And I think it's got everything to do with Donald Trump. Another thing, too. The uh, Secretary of Defense is the only one that could have ordered all those National Guard in there. He answers directly to Donald Trump. Now, think about that. It looks to me like Donald Trump told him to bring all this, these Guard in there. At the end of the day, I say wait probably before or at the 24th. 
and see what shakes out. Don't lose faith because none of this tracks in the right way. And everybody's suspicious. Like, it's like a movie that, you know, you just got up and walked out after, right before the ending. It's like, well, that's not the conclusion. What's the conclusion? So that's all I had to say. Uh, I'm, you know me. I'm not a Trumpster. I'm a watchman. And I've been, I've been watching Donald Trump the whole time. My brother, he's a total Trumpster. He's got a flag. But I'm not because I've seen him do other things. I know he's imperfect. I saw him use the Lord's name twice uh, during a in, speech. Uh-huh. And I saw him and went, oh, wait a minute. Now, see, uh, good. That's he, this guy isn't re- If he is a Christian, he's a baby Christian. But I do believe that he is a patriot. I do believe that. And if he's not, then you are looking at the most diabolical man you've ever seen in your life. And I'm not ready to believe that yet. And if he's not that, then he's something else. And I think he's a patriot. And I think this is all set up. The U.S. military is in control. FEMA's in control. And they're coming back. They're going to hook all these guys up. And it's not going to be Donald Trump that did it. Nobody's ever going to say that. It's going to be the United States military army that hooked all these people up, shipped them out, sent them down to get them or whatever, and had military trials for them, and did what you would do to a traitor to the United States. And I would say most of the, anyone that, that okayed that vote, no one that it was wrong, and they all knew. There's no way they couldn't have known it. Instead of inspecting it for 10 days like they, you know, they were trying to get them to do, they just blew the whole thing off, and they just went for it. Every one of those guys that did that, Republican, Democrat, they are traitors to the United States. And as far as what happened at the State House, as far as I'm concerned about them rushing into the Temple of Democracy and doing what they did, Whatever they did, that was completely justified because they were their vote was stolen. They had no more rights. And what they did, they sent a message to the people there, and they're not traitors. They're patriots. They're not insurrectionists. The people inside that state house that did what they did, those are the insurrectionists. Those are the traitors. It doesn't. They can bump their gums all they want about. You know, they were scared and all that, but they got to see real American anger now for the first time, and it's not going to stop. So that's about all I got to say there, Pastor Vince. And uh, all I can say is wait and see because something's not right here. Okay. And it's so, not done. Yeah, let me just compliment what you're saying, okay? Um, okay. Yesterday, when Joe Biden was uh, sworn in, the inauguration went off. He was wearing a blue suit with a blue tie. Over a year ago, God gave me a dream that Joe Biden would win this election. I talked about it for over a year, that he was wearing a blue suit and a blue tie. He had won the election, and he was now walking beneath in a tunnel, and he was showing a characteristic of no celebration. Something was wrong. So the dream has been fulfilled as far as Joe Biden winning the election. 
which is amazing to me. I'll, I'll never forget this as long as I live. But now what is the purpose? And what I hear you saying, and I hear a lot of other people saying, is that it's not over yet. And so whatever does happen in these days that are before us, you know, they will be interesting times. And we need, you know, there's something that other people are picking up at this point. I don't know. All I know is that God showed me that this man was going to win the election and something was wrong. And we're going to find out what that wrong is. I do believe that there is a prophetic utterance. I spoke this and then I, somebody sent it to me last night. See, I believe God sent me a long time ago to Washington, D.C. to pray a prophetic prayer that there would not be one stone left upon another in Washington, D.C. in the day of its judgment. I do believe, and I spoke this, that there would be a new headquarters for the president of the United States because Washington, D.C. will be obliterated. And I do believe that God will call, uh, he will send fire from heaven. And I do believe it is the right time for people to call fire down from heaven. 2,000 years ago, when Yeshua was on the earth, the two men said, Lord, should we call fire down from heaven? He said, no, I came to save lives. You don't know what manner of spirit you are. But I'll never forget a man saying, but the time will come when it will be like the days of Elijah, and there will be permission granted to call fire down out of heaven. I believe that's where we are right now. And if everybody in the church would begin to just call that fire down from heaven, praise the Lord, whatever that means. But it was hard getting people to rally around the capitals and to declare Donald J. Trump the true president of the United States. We had a First Kings chapter one uh, resemblance of the moment we're in right now. And very few, really, in comparison to what needed to be, really got involved. So I'm not sure, Don, what happens next. Something has happened. The true meaning of it has not yet been revealed, but I, I, I guess time will tell. But right now, the prophetic pattern is for God's people to begin to call fire down from heaven with a right spirit, like Elijah did. We are in the days of Elijah. And if you don't, if it doesn't happen, and God does not send fire from heaven, whatever that fire is, the deception that people are going to be walking into in a moment is going to consume their minds and the propaganda, the forced vaccinations, all of a sudden that mark of the beast is going to come when people are primed to take it. Population reduction at the door. And so all of these things are biblical, they're real. And what you're saying and some other of my friends are saying is that this is a critical moment to resist or to reject, or to overthrow what has just happened yesterday. Is that correct? Am I close? Yeah, you're right on the money, Pastor. You have to make make personal decisions, everyone does right now. Number one, now they're going to, they're going to try to make you that take you that shot. Fauzi was saying today that it's going to, you, it's going to be mandatory. And I noticed that the medical community are listening from the very start about what this guy says. And uh, that's probably the first honest thing he's ever said, which is it's going to be mandatory. Don't take that shot. That's a kill shot. They're going to take you out with that shot. And I tell you what, just ask yourself, well, you've had vaccines before, right? I think everybody does. 
You ever have a vaccine where you have a reaction to it? Where you have hot flashes, you can't sleep, you feel like your brain's on fire? I mean, I've heard all kind of different things. I work in a hospital, and I'm getting feedback all the time. We got like eight booths set up to give these shots. And they got firemen actually coming in and giving people these shots in these booths. And uh, I was talking to one of them the other day, and I says, uh, I saw him at uh, getting the water out of the water machine, and, uh, and he's standing there. He's got a fireman uh, T-shirt on. I says, hey, did you get your shot? He says, yeah, I got both of them. I said, you did? He goes, yeah, and I'm giving them in there too. I says, uh, what's he had any reaction? He goes, nope, not yet. I haven't turned into a reptile or anything like that. I says, okay, well, these people are getting these shots, and then they're walking. You've never seen them again, right? He goes, no, we got no reason to see them. I says, what about the medical staff? He says, well, the doctors are all complaining. I says, about what? He says, well, every doctor that's taking it is having a reaction, and they're saying they're not going to take that second one and all this. And I says, also, the only ones you're talking to are the doctors that are still here in the hospital, and after they take the shot, they're calling up your clinic and complaining about they can't do this, they can't sleep, they feel like they're not the, they're not in the right mind, all this kind of thing like that, hot flashes. He goes, yeah. I said, so that's the only way you know anybody's having a reaction. He goes, yeah, just the doctors are complaining. I said, that's very interesting. I said, but you haven't had any. He goes, no. I said, well, that's pretty weird, ain't it? He goes, yeah, I don't understand that. So all I thought is, well, just wait. You know, <laughs> in a couple couple months, your skin starts falling off or something, you know. Then you're yeah. going to know that what you took was a kill shot. Or I your mind. Yeah. yeah, your mind control comes in. Who knows? You know, you're conditioned, yeah. you're mentally conditioned. But why would the president of the United States, if if, if this other side of him coming back – why would he be telling everybody of the great success of the vaccinations? I think he's talking about the success that he was able to get that out to the public. Okay. Uh, Operation warp speed and all that. I think that's what he's talking about. Uh, okay. But he, he's not taking any responsibility for it, just like the pharmaceutical companies are saying, that, well, you can't do us if you die from it and all that. We're, we're not liable. Uh, mm-hmm. That's all set. You can't do anything to them. But Donald Trump, he he delegated his authority to the governors. He says, well, it's up to the governor if they want to make their people take the shot. I'm not going to do that. Now, Fauci, now he's jumping out there now saying, because, you know, Biden's in, well, it's going to be mandatory. And probably the medical community is going to listen to him. And that will be the last day I work in my job. Because I've talked, tried to talk to people. i tried to talk police not taking this shot. I see him walking into the clinic. You sure you want to do that? Why you want to do that? He says, well, this one guy told me, well, I, it'll help bring everything back to normal. I says, it's never going to be normal again. He starts laughing. He says, yeah, I know. I said, so you're doing it because they want you to. He goes, yeah. I said, so you're going to take an experimental vaccine into your body, having no idea the side effects or the after effects down the road because you want things to return to normal. He goes, yeah, I guess so. I said, you know, you really need to think about what you're doing. This is an experimental vaccine, unprecedented. I keep hearing these guys say that. Yeah, this is unprecedented. I said, are you going to take it? Well, yeah, why? Because they told me to. Come on, really? 
if we come to that, that you're going to take an experimental vaccine given by, by people unknown for dubious reasons at this juncture in the road because you were told to do it. See, that, that has to stop. People need to say, no, I'm not going to do that. As far as these masks, they need to say, no, I'm not going to do that. There's more than enough evidence to show that mask doesn't even stop this virus. So you're going to block God-given air away from your body to help keep your body healthy. You're going to put that on your face so where you can't breathe. I see people wearing it in their car. See, I'm, I'm starting to get going here. I don't need to do that. So <laughs> the point is people need to stand up and say, no, I'm not going to do that. If enough people did that, they couldn't do anything about it. But see, they've got us isolated. they got us brainwashed. And the worst thing is they've generated a spirit of fear over the country. You make people afraid, you can get them to do just about anything. And that's what's happened here. I got to tell you, I'm more than a little bit surprised that Americans would fall into this kind of trap. But I guess they've been slow fried like the frog in the pan, you know. So here we are. Yeah. Too many people. The Christians. Christians, you need to get out of that thinking. You need to be a Christian first, not a a globalist or a new world order, get along to, you know, go along, get along kind of a person. No, no, you're a Christian first. Be a Christian. Use the Holy Spirit wisdom that that God's given you to tell you if it's right or wrong, to tell you if it's good or bad for you. If it's bad for you, do what you do with anything that's bad for you or sinful for you. Say no and mean it and don't do it. That's all we got to do. Now the world... Without Jesus, man, you're just out there. You know, but even then, you know, really you're going to take an experimental vaccine because somebody wants you to, not knowing the effect on down the road? Really? You're going to do that? Look at the Gulf War illness. That anthrax shot killed thousands of American servicemen because they made them take it, and they died of what they call Gulf War illness. Thousands, what, 40,000, 50,000 guys died. And it was a vaccine that they didn't even even need to take. It wasn't going to block anthrax. Well, take it. And it killed them. It created blood clots in their legs. They were dying in battle. Even the reporters were dying in the tanks on their way to Baghdad from blood clots in their legs. Why did they do that? Why would you do that? But they did it because they were told to do it. And it killed them. And Lord knows what else it's done to them on down the road. So what I say with this shot here, this is a kill shot for the American people. They want to eliminate most of the American people. Look up the Georgia Guidestones, and that's their philosophy, and that's a protected site in Georgia. They're telling you their philosophy right there. They want two-thirds of us dead off the land so that it can be taken by the globalists, whoever that's going to be, Chinese, whatever it is. That's their plan, and they're moving forward with it. And they're going to do it with, with vaccines. They're going to do it with disease, and they're going to do it with war. So you got Man. to you got to make a decision where you're going to stand in this, because it's it's vital to you. So how important is it? You know, we went through a whole genealogy today in Genesis chapter five of that godly seed, that genealogy of the godly seed. And how important is it for the people listening to this radio broadcast right now to understand that if you're born again and the seed, which is Christ, is the seed, has been sown into your heart, you're connected to a godly seed, 
that will, will, that will go through these days, that will be preserved in these times to a very, a very real degree. How important is it, Don, right now for people to genuinely understand that if they're truly born again, that they have eternal life, they do not need to fear death, they do need to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, they do need to prepare, as God said to do, but how important is it to right now look at this and view this as, wow, we have come to the end of the end of the end of the ages right now, and there is something ready to shift. We've come to the 777, total completion, and we're moving into new landscape, and things are going to change dramatically, but your life, your life, is on the line right now. Eternity looms before you in what direction? Eternal damnation, eternal hell, where the worm never dies, or eternal life in the paradise and bliss of God Almighty. No more crying, no more tears, no more shame, no more pain. How are you living your life right now? But I'll tell you, if you get into fear and you become cowardice, well, Revelation 21 says all the fearful are going to have their part in the lake of fire. So this is not a time to be fearful, afraid, cowardice. This is genuinely a time to stand knowing you are standing on the rock of the word of God. You're an obedient person to the will of God. You are a godly seed, and you're going to be going through. Keep your eyes wide open. Keep your mind clear. Be careful. And, and we're getting information like this, so we need to pay attention to it. How important is it, Don, for people to know that they are a godly seed living in the earth today? That's all you need to know right there. You know, you're, uh, you're put here by God for God. You're a uh, spirit clothed in flesh. Pretty soon that flesh is going to drop away, and you're going to go be with the Lord. That's what you need to be thinking about. Not what man says or trying to trying to talk you into or deceive you into doing, you just listen to the Holy Spirit. Christian, you're going into battle now. This is for real. And when you go into battle, you sit quiet, you check your weapons, you contemplate where you're going to go, and you don't get distracted by other things. You got sin in your life, get rid of it. Be free where you can't be manipulated by the devil and by his system. Because that's all that we're fighting against. This is, this is gigantic spiritual war right now. And let's face it, the enemy's in the trenches. And you're going to have to fight or join the other side. That is a decision, too. But if mm. you do that, then you're lost for an eternity. So, Christian, you have no <laughs> If you're going to be a Christian, you've got no choice but to fight. And the first thing you do is you make the right decisions, godly decisions for your life, and keep your, keep your garments clean. Stay holy. Don't allow sin to encroach on your life. Don't allow Satan a pathway into your life. Keep the armor of God wrapped around you and the helm of salvation because whether you realize it or not, you are in battle right now. So, like I say, check your weapons. Keep your spirit peaceful and clear and clean and face the enemy. Amen. And fight. And especially Amen. fight against falsehood and lies. Lies are just permeate us now in every direction. Sit quietly, ask the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to show you the truth about everything. And he'll speak quietly to you and he'll show you. Guaranteed, 100%. That's where you need to be. Period. Amen. Boom. That's it. Amen. 
Amen. Very good. That is boom. And uh, a friend of ours from uh, River Christian Center, uh, Pastor Jeff, is just saying right now that um, he heard again Joe Biden mention the phrase dark winter. Dark winter. Remember, saints of God, pray that your flight be not in the winter nor on the Sabbath day. And I hope you've been praying that prayer. Only God knows what's going to happen today. Today is the 21st century, the 21st year of the year 2000, and the 21st day of the first month, January, in the Gregorian calendar. We have triple sevens across the board. That's a jackpot. We need to really cash in on what God is revealing to us right now. I hope this broadcast was a blessing to you. Brother Don, thank you for calling in once again, sharing your heart, and keeping people uh, focused and in thinking and not giving up, losing hope, regardless of what happens tomorrow. Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He's seated at the right hand of God in heaven. Not unfamiliar territory to the church. It's been in crises for 2,000 years. Humanity has been in crises for 2,000 years. We've seen a lot more go on, but we're now getting the directive, folks. Something is concluding and something is beginning. It's all taking place right now. Personally, I believe that we are now going into the final phase of the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. I believe that's at the door. What happens between now and probably will be World War III, Civil War, Revolutionary War. We're going to see the bombs bursting. It's going to happen. No doubt about it. And I think God is actually pressing the time. Don, I've got to go, sir. Thanks for calling in, as always. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. God bless you. All right. Well, that's it. We're going to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to thank, I'm going to go out of here saying this today. Thank you for supporting this ministry, by the way. I see a number of you listening and watching. Um, Maybe nobody gives because we don't ask, but let me ask if you would be willing to support this ministry with a little gift of support. That would be wonderful. Keeps us encouraged and it helps us to get our bills paid. The way to do that is going to our NWM Global web and you can give online if you would be led by the Holy Spirit to do so. I want to thank, I want to thank the one person, the one person that came to me last night after a year and several months of sharing a dream about Joe Biden winning the election. One person came and said, Pastor Vincent, All this time, I was listening to all these people, but you were the only one that made an open declaration that Joe Biden was going to win the election. She said, for all that they say, you heard from God. One person. I don't know where you are, brothers. I don't know where you are, sisters. I'm not tooting my own horn, but I think it very odd, very odd that such a divine work from God has been ignored or just whatever. But to the one person that acknowledged the grace of God operating in my life, God bless you. To the rest, we say goodbye. Have a wonderful day. It is 777. Shalom. May the Lord bless you. Right now on Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you would like to be educated in the wisdom of God, the word of God, OmegaRadio.org. God bless you, folks. We'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing. This is Pastor Vince, over and out.
roundtable discussion now happening.